the Holy Gospel according to John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the water jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. When they took it, the steward tasted the water, and it had become wine, and he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after all the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine out until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and the disciples believed in him. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We have a great story in the Gospel lesson today, but it is a little awkward. It is a miracle, one of the first miracles in the Bible. It's about a wedding. Now, I've gone to a number of weddings. I've attended family weddings. I've been in wedding parties. I've provided weddings for other people. Each wedding for me is a special and unique experience. Now, I've never been at a wedding that's lasted for more than a day or two. However, having a wedding that lasted an entire week was not in an uncommon experience in Jesus' day. So Jesus and his mother and his disciples were at this wedding, and we're not sure of the relationship between Jesus and the bride and the groom, but they were important to Jesus, and they were important to his mother Mary. And things had been going well, but on the third day, they run out of wine. Now, if this were us, we might whisper nervously to someone and, and ask them to go and make a, a run to a local wine shop to pick up some more wine. But in this time, in this place, Running out of wine early in a celebration is not just a little embarrassing. It's a disaster. Because wine was not there only to quench one's thirst or to loosen people up to do the chicken dance. It was a sign of the harvest. It was a sign of God's abundance, of God's joy and gladness. It was a sign of hospitality. So when they run out of wine... They run out of this blessing that God is giving upon this union. Now, we're not sure how this was spread throughout the wedding guests or how Mary, Jesus' mother, gets involved, but she does. They have no wine, she says to her son. Jesus' response? Woman, this is not any concern to us. My time has not yet come. Now, this is another awkward part of the text. Here, Mary is telling her son to do something to fix this problem that they are experiencing. She must have some sort of confidence that Jesus can fix whatever is going wrong, but he seems to refuse. 
But Mary knows probably deep down inside her that Jesus is going to do the right thing. So she turns to the servants and tells them, do whatever he tells you. Jesus then instructs the servants to fill six large stone basins of water to draw out some of the water. And suddenly that water has turned to wine. Problem solved, right? Now, I I doubt that this is what Mary had in mind, but it works. And when the steward of the wedding tasted some of Jesus' wine, and he said to everyone, "The, the people who get married, they serve the good wine first, and then the inferior wine when the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. Another awkward moment. Most hosts serve the good wine first to make sure that you have this good impression and save the cheap wine for later so people don't recognize the drop in quality. But this host, this wedding planner, this steward, assumes the couple had saved the best wine until last. And suddenly this couple has six huge basins, 180 gallons of fantastic wine, more than enough for the next three days. And this wine shows the couple's abundance and and how this blessing overflows. Moments of grace happen in our lives and we don't always see them at first. We may pass it off as good luck or be stuck in the middle of something just to recognize the grace that is around us. But God is there with us. God is there for us. And we know this because throughout the Gospel of John, we see Jesus was in the right place at the right time. And timing is everything. Now, in Scripture, there are two kinds of time that are described. The first kind is time where, that we count and track every day on our watches, in our lives. A time that is measured in minutes and seconds and hours and days. It's a time we spend standing in line or checking in at work or, or waiting at the stoplight for the red to turn green. But there is another kind of time. That's God's time. It breaks through the ordinary time of our lives, and it gives us a glimpse of God's divine nature and presence among us. So when Jesus says to his mother, my hour, my time has not come, he isn't speaking of some sort of specific date on the calendar. He's talking about the time when God reveals God's glory through the cross, through the resurrection, through the ascension. He's talking about a time when God will be accessible to each and every one of us. That time, that hour, Jesus says, has not yet come. But what has come? That 180 gallons of wine, that 180 gallons of grace. Throughout this awkward story, things could have gone wrong at one particular point or another. Jesus could have ignored his mother. The servants could have ignored Jesus. The wine could have never appeared. But instead, we find the 180 gallons of grace. You see, Jesus took the 180 gallons of Jewish laws, Jewish rituals of purification, and he transformed them. He took 180 gallons of guilt, 180 gallons of shame, 180 gallons of don't do this and don't do that, 180 gallons of hurt and pain. All of that caused us to try to do the right thing at the right time. He transformed them 
into a new religion, into a new meaning, into new wine, into new grace and forgiveness and love and humility. Jesus transformed that old religion into a new religion. The miracle was just a sign of God's grace. The miracle had 180 gallons of guilt, which are transformed into 180 gallons of grace. There is more than enough grace for everyone in the city. There's more than enough grace for the whole state. There's more than enough grace for the whole world. Because God's fullness of grace is filled right up to the brim, and we have received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Now, what does this look like in our lives? Well, I want to share a story with you that I came across this week. It's called Three Purple Cows. Now, this pastor was telling the story about he went to his grandmother's house. I had this very formal dining room, a lovely table made out of mahogany wood. There were four walls in the room, and there was this fancy china cabinet with glass on the doors, and it matched the table, and, and the really sturdy chairs around the table. And on top of that china cabinet, far out of all the children's reach, were these three purple cows made out of porcelain glass. There was a bull with the horns on it, right? And the mama cow with the pink udders and the baby calf with a black tail. Now, every child or grandchild who came into that house went into this formal dining room and looked and they saw these three purple cows and they wanted to play with these three porcelain purple cows, but no one ever did. Now, it was with this grandmother's first grandchild that she started to entertain this idea of the grandchildren playing with these cows. Now, David, the first grandchild, lived just a block away from the grandmother's house. And each and every time he went to his grandmother's house, he went into the formal dining room. He looked up on the top of the china cabinet and he said, Grandma, are those purple cows? Grandma said, yes, they are. He said, can I play with them? And she said, no, you can play with them when you get older. Well, one day, David had a plan. He went into the dining room without anybody else around. He got one of those sturdy chairs. He, he got up on the chair, got up on the china cabinet, reached as far as he could touch to the three purple cows. This thrill ran through his body as he put his hand around the horn of one of the bulls. Right? And he brought it down and put it on the dining room table closely so he could look at it. He could touch it. He could feel it. And suddenly... The grandma and the grandparents, uh, grandfather, came into the house. And David grabbed the bull. He climbed on the chair. He climbed on the china cabinet. He climbed and he stretched and he put his arms out and put the bull back on top of the china cabinet. And as the door opened to the house and his grandparents were walking in, he missed and the bull fell. And one of the white horns broke off. David's grandmother walked in and saw what had happened, and she didn't look at him in any particular way. David climbed down off of the china cabinet, off of the chair, and he gave his grandma a big hug. And he said, Grandma, I'm so sorry about your bull. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. His grandmother held him and said, It's okay, David. I know you are sorry. You see, his grandmother loved him. He forgave, she forgave him. The grandma didn't say, David, if you are a good boy the rest of your life, I will forgive you. She did not say, David, you have to go out and shovel the sidewalks for three months to make enough money to pay for another bull, and then I will forgive you. She didn't say, after I have this 
glue on this bull to fix it, the damage repair, then I will forgive you. No, she simply forgave him. 180 gallons of grace. This is the kind of love that God has for us. When things in our lives break, when we do things that we know we shouldn't be doing, when we sin in one way or another, God forgives us. God does not say to us that we need to say extra prayers. God does not say that we need to earn our forgiveness by doing good things for others. God forgives us, and forgiveness comes into our lives freely and abundantly. God forgives us. God gives us God's mercy. God gives us grace. This is given to each and every one of us. And this is what Jesus is doing when he fills the barrels of water and turns them into wine. Jesus is flowing out to his community and to us the means of God's grace. Jesus doesn't do this because he thinks that we need to respond in any way. Jesus does this because he is showing us the love that God has for each and every one of us. Thanks be to God. In Jesus' name, amen.